Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Thanks, Darlene. Today's guests are definitely wise-asses. And they're also co-founders of Pure Hoops Media. Later in the show, Bruce Bernstein will join us to discuss some very special Mike Wise shows we'll be presenting over the next two weeks. But first, Eric Newman who co-hosts the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong. He joins me to examine some of the most hot-button topics from the first two weeks of the NBA season. Mr. Newman, hello. Good evening, Mr. Wise. Uh, Look, before we get to the hoops, let's just be honest. You guys were spoiled in Boston. You had 11 parades in 18 years. That's averaging over one a year. Um, You got six Patriots titles. One Celtics championship, one Bruins championship, and three Red Sox World Series. The Nationals just made it their first World Series. I got back from the parade yesterday. It was tremendous. Thank you for asking. And also, all I got to thank you. Congratulations, Mike, on the World Series for the official record. Yeah, I didn't play. I didn't pitch. I am am not a a Boston sports fan across the board, just a diehard Celtics fan. But. I can truly uh, appreciate what you must have felt with your fellow uh, DC faithful and the Nationals' dramatic, triumphant victory in a, uh, I think what will go down as an epic game seven as uh, time passes by. Just the whole series. I mean, everybody thought they won it after two games. Then they threw it away the next three games at home. And then they came back and won the thing. The first road team to ever win all four games in any in any sport to win a title. I, I just thought it was tremendous. More than that, you know, before the Capitals won in 2018, there, you know, I was I've only been in DC for the last 15 years. There wasn't a championship here. Um, there was a Super Bowl parade in 1992. That was the last major revenue sports team that won a championship in Washington. Can you imagine? That's 26 years that people went out went out went went without a parade in this town and we've had two in 16 months. All I can tell you is it's now the district of champions, my friend. Are you uh are you setting the bar for uh people around town about how to celebrate a championship? Are you are you making yeah. us all proud? Yeah, well, not only that, I I think the Wizards are going to do it this year. I really do. (laughs) Thankfully, I've got Bradley Beal leading my very mediocre fantasy team, Mike. Yeah. Hey, he had 46 the other night in a losing effort. But um, so what a what a what a really crazy two weeks opening two weeks. First of all, let's get to the Steph Curry injury. Um, I I feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for the league. I feel, you know, it's three months of being out. He broke his hand. They're already down Clay Thompson. 
uh, Kevin Durant left in the offseason, as did several other uh, sort of bellwether guys that have been there forever. Really, you know, like you'll, they're going to look back and, they, you know, what did they win? Was it three in four years? And they went to four finals in five years or something like that? It, it's just insane. Five they finals won. in a row? Three titles in five years. Yep. And this will be the first year since I believe the 11-12 season where nobody's even thinking about talking about the Warriors come playoff time. Which is just crazy. I mean, it's almost yeah. like – I mean, and the, the, think about what the NBA was back then. It was a different place. He still had, you know, LeBron in Miami on his way to his first championship. Durant, Westbrook, Harden in Oklahoma City. You had the big three Celtics on their, uh, you know, their, their their last legs battling in the playoffs. I mean, it was a it was a completely different NBA back then, and this is the first time that uh, we're going to be without the Warriors as a, as a true contender. I mean, listen, starting the year with Steph, Draymond, working Russell into it, hoping Clay would, um, you know, hoping Clay would, you know, get back late in the year. Um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's a completely different landscape right now. And obviously, you know, as history tells us, the last time we saw a drop off like this was after the, the Jordan 98 bulls at the end of the second three, Pete, the 99 bulls were, were pretty much rock bottom and stayed there for quite a while. Yeah. I don't think it was, I, I think the heat after LeBron left, um, was, were, were very much, they weren't rock bottom, but they were a shadow of what they were. Of and... course, of course. But those teams still got in the playoffs, and you you felt obviously in the finals last year you felt the injuries taking its toll on the Warriors. But no one could have expected this. Um, question at the, end, at the end of the day, though, Mike, you know, Steph's going to be out a long time, if not for the whole season. Clay won't lace him up this season. Draymond now has a torn ligament uh, in one of his fingers he's going to be out a little while uh, it, it really is almost like it's a forget the pause for the warriors it's a year off from the warriors this well this what i was going to ask happens when they get healthy and, and get healthy and come back let's see well what this is what i was going to ask is that if if you're them and you you don't even have to worry about tanking you're going to lose an inordinate amount of games and you may maybe you get into the eighth seed i don't even think it's worth it um, but I, I, I also, they may get a very good draft pick this year. Uh, we know Bob Myers, all the, all the good work he's done, that front office has done to put them in position to be good for a very long time. Clay gets healthy. Are the Warriors done in the foreseeable future? Or do you think it is a uh, year off and you don't rebuild next year, you reload? Steph's healthy, Clay's healthy. They're still both relatively in their primes. And you and you put the right pieces around them again. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell is going to be one of them. What do you do? Do they make a run? I mean, are they a, are they a contender for the next three years in that conference? The moment Steph and Clay are healthy, they're a contender again. And okay. you know, that's what I Russell, figured you'd say. Yeah, but but there, there's other there's other things at play here. One is player development. They're already getting into that right now. The Warriors lost a tough game the other night. Uh, to the Hornets at home, the the starting lineup included nobody who was on the team last season. One of those players that started was second round pick Eric Pascal from Villanova. He had twenty five points. I didn't even so, know he was with him. That's great. Thank they're, you. They're finding out pretty quickly that they've got some guys in Pascal, Damian Lee, uh, Poole, who played at Michigan. That they've got some youth here to develop, 
The other thing here that's really interesting is that the Durant Russell swap, which, you know, they call the sign and trade also included a first round pick going to Brooklyn from Golden State. But that first round pick was top 20 protected. So the Uh, Warriors are getting back a first round pick here that is going to be in the lottery. So you never know what's going to happen with this team, whether it's a, a reload, a year off, the player development. And, you know, we talked about the end of the uh, Bulls three-peat uh, in 98. Well, what also happened that season was David Robinson missed the entire season for the San Antonio Spurs. That put them in position to uh, have a top three pick in that draft, or the top three odds, excuse me, uh, the Celtics with the, the greatest odds in the 97 lottery. That was, of course, the Tim Duncan lottery. The Spurs win that, they get Duncan, and we all saw what happened to the Spurs franchise after that. So uh, some really interesting well, that, well, What happened to Rick? On. Yeah, Rick Pitino is done as the Celtics. Well, Robert Parrish ain't walking through that door, Mike. <laughs> Robert Parrish ain't walking through that door. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Brian Scalabrini's not walking through that door. At the, thank uh, you. He's walked yes. through enough. Yeah, thank you. All right, Eric Newman is my guest, the independent producer, filmmaker, Done a lot of work with Showtime. He's also the co-founder of Pure Hoops Media, which I work for. I want to draw. I want to go straight to this brawl between Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Joel Embiid. I, I, I. I I'm sorry. Brought, did you say brawl? Yeah, I know. It was a little shoving. It was like sort of two Brahma bulls deciding not to fight, is what it was. But, um, but nonetheless, I, I took offense to this for several reasons. A lot of people were upset about the tweets back and forth between Carl Anthony Towns. Can we say those tweets on Pure Hoops Media, by the way, Eric? Uh, you have a green light for me. Use, okay. your, use your best editorial judgment as you're All right. So re- real quick, what did you think about it? What did you think? I mean, yeah, let's be real quick, it. Mike, because by the time anybody listens to this, I think it's, it's, it's a laughing matter by now. But I loved the fact that these two don't like each other. Yeah. I love the fact that there's some uh, some NBA big man beef going on. Um, I, I, I'm fine with it. I really am. Um, you hate to see guys getting kicked out of games. You don't want to see anybody get hurt. But uh, I like the intensity. I like the competitiveness. And if this stuff spills over to social media, I know the league doesn't love it. But for entertainment value and to – let, let, let's get more rivalries going in the league. You guys can be friends in the off season, but from uh, <laughs> late October through the end of the year, uh, let's have guys do battle a little bit more. So I don't, I don't have a huge problem with it. I don't want to see you guys get hurt. You don't want to see you guys get suspended. I thought the way the league handled it, two games each was fine. Yeah. And, and, and we move on, but it's, it's, it, it's good to see very good players playing hard intense, mixing it up a bit. Obviously you don't want to see it get all the way to that, but I don't, I don't have a major issue. The a tweet from well, I'll say this first of all, I was heart I was heartbroken about it because not heartbroken I didn't I didn't like cry, but I was upset because I was a big man in high school. That's what they make you when you're six four in Hawaii. You don't get to be a guard, and you're growing up around a lot of you know shorter Filipino kids. Um, you, you were playing the pinch post, Mike. You were playing the pinch post. I was playing the pinch post, and I was not a stretch five. I was sort of I was like. Uh, Gosh, what was the a limited five? Yeah, and I was like the chief guy in one floor of the cuckoo's nest. They made <laughs> me run around the, and they turned, you know, it was just really bad. But but either way, it bothers me because I feel like the 
the center position has been legislated out of basketball or the real pivot position. And when I see, you know, I call it Mike and on Mike and crime, it's a little bothersome to me. I don't like it that when big guys go at it, I feel like they should be fighting for each other. Uh, this is a, you know, this once was a big man's league and shoot, <clears throat> both those guys have back to the basket games a little bit. So I, I don't know. I, I just think that I don't think the big men should be fighting each other. They could really hurt each other. E. But I do like your idea about the rivalries. Uh, Carl, Carl, uh, Charles Oakley refused to go out with um, even friends before the games that he played with the Knicks. He would go out the night after. But when you went to uh, midcourt with him, it wasn't all bro hug pull ins. It was like, get away from me. We're playing against each other. <laughs> and a lot of that's disappeared from the league. But yeah, I, you know, when they, Shoot, Carl Anthony Towns, his tweet was, I ain't no bitch raised around lions. Was Carl <laughs> Anthony Towns raised around lions? Or, or I, I is he referring he to someone from, else? Uh, I, I believe he was taking that from Mr. Embiid's tweet. Who said oh, he was right, around right, raised around lions, right. Everything in context, from, my friend. Is Cameroon a big lions place? I don't know. Mike, real quick about your, your point about big men. I'm not sure if you were still in uh, national celebration mode on Saturday evening, but Andre Drummond, Detroit Pistons big man, who was going to argue with you, okay, he's going to argue with you that the big man is a dying breed, last night did something that only Akeem Olajuwon has done in a game. Are you ready for this, Mike? Are you sitting down? Yeah. I know you don't do your podcast standing up. Yeah, go okay. ahead. 25 points, 20 rebounds, five assists, Five blocks and three steals. Andre Drummond against Brooklyn. So See, the big man, the big man, I believe, is is uh, evolving in a new way. You think about Drummond, Embiid, Towns, Anthony Davis, Jokic. Um, Nurkic God, will be back this season. I love, I love Anthony Davis and Jokic. There's, there's a lot of very, very talented guys in this league that are still bigs. Yeah, and, as I, uh, as I, yeah, as I say, as I say to Bruce often, do not let the facts get in the way of my half-baked opinions. It's very upsetting. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, Joel Embiid wrote uh, in Twitter, that tough guy act ain't cutting it. You know what you are. You know what you've always been. And then dash, 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 A-P-U-S-S-Y. Say it louder for people in the back. Been kicking your ass and pretty please make plans for you talk. It's a known thing that I own you at Carl Towns. I mean, I, you can say what you want about Joel Embiid. He has Twitter game. He, he has really so much. Does. He has and so much Towns, Twitter game. The picture that Towns put up of him <laughs> crying after Game Seven. Oh. Yeah, Carl, that's what happens after you lose a heartbreaking Game Seven at the buzzer with one of the most miraculous shots in NBA history. Right. If you've ever been to the playoffs, you'd know that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, Carl think, Anthony Towns. Yeah, yeah, from, you, Carl. From, yeah, from from tweeting your keyboard courage from your couch for the for the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I like I like both those guys and Carl uh, Anthony Towns. By the way, if you ever spoken to him, has an incredible, immense respect for the history of the game, and um, he just he's a he's delightful guy to be around if you ever speak talk basketball with him. That said, um, that said, it it brought to mind a lot of things that are coming up right now, and that it's it's almost anyone's league. It's so much is almost anyone's league. Chris Broussard was on our uh, podcast a couple weeks ago. And a few weeks ago, and he basically said he didn't think LeBron would win another one. He just didn't see it happening. And and he thought that it was just too much of an ask and too much of a lift in L.A. 
even with uh, Anthony Davis. I don't know that anymore. Even after two weeks, I'm going, I'm going. To, if the Lakers don't end up in the Western Conference Finals and, and those guys are healthy, I'll be surprised. I watched the entire Laker Mavericks overtime thriller Friday night. Anybody who says the words LeBron James can't or won't, uh, I don't understand. It's two weeks into the season. Anthony Davis is at another level already, and teams are are still figuring out who they're going to be. But the one thing I can say about the Lakers is there's a ton of potential here, and LeBron James is already raising the level of Anthony Davis. And we're, well, that, we're, only, that, in, we're only in week two, Mike. That's that's the scary part. And that, that's another that's another sort of plug for the NBA in general. That game was because. You know, you know how many times I hear, I don't watch the regular season, or sometimes I watch the playoffs. I'm not an NBA guy. Like the, you don't watch the regular season. That was a that was a that was an heirloom that we've game. Got, I mean, Joe, I mean Doncic, Luka Doncic was going back and forth. It was mano a mano versus LeBron. Uh, you couldn't make up some of the shots, the the clutch play, the fact that LeBron sent it to overtime with a pass. I mean, I, it was just, uh, you know, I, I was I was mesmerized. It was a thrilling game. If there's not a thriller on every night in the NBA, I'm usually surprised. And referencing that 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 play they ran to tie the game, I mean, that was right out of the old Spurs playbook, right out of the old Suns playbook with uh, with Steve the Steve Nash team was just get down on that baseline and get everybody to collapse in the paint and. Uh, you know, they were they were they were down by three. So Seth Curry strayed far enough to get caught, and Danny Green did an unbelievable job adjusting his shot, tying the game, and the Lakers took all that momentum and won in overtime. But LeBron James was just simply brilliant. So counting him out of the Lakers out two weeks into the season is is foolish. I I said from the beginning I think they're going to be in it, and if they don't win it this season, I believe they'll win it next season. I'm on record of saying saying that the Houston Rockets are going to win the NBA championship this season. Might be the worst prediction I've made since I guess well I I think I had the Titanic over the iceberg in 1912. But I I want to say this this Was is that, is that on record that I did I miss that in yeah. one of your earlier shows yeah I also had the Hindenburg taking on the beating the fire, but that didn't work. Is it too soon? All right. So Harden and Westbrook, Westbrook, uh, they seem to be off to a pretty decent start. They didn't play well the other night, but they can't continue. I always thought that putting putting these kind of people on this team, Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey's biggest crime wasn't uh, uh, dissing China. It was putting people on a team where you, you needed 18 balls to go around. These guys, you took two of the biggest ball hogs in the history of the sport and yet yeah, two also of the greatest players in the modern history of the sport. Nonetheless, you know, do they play off each other well enough to, to get to a conference finals? My sample size hasn't been big enough yet. My, my yeah. key with this pairing with them is how much can they help each other both night in and night out in terms of keeping each other fresh and whoever has the hot hand riding them down the stretch. And then as we've seen the last couple of years, once we get into the second round of the playoffs, James Harden is absolutely exhausted. The usage, the load he's carrying that team offensively, um, they have to make life easy for each other. So come April and May, uh, they've both got something left in the tank. But this is not just on them. This is 
how consistent can Clint Capella, Tyson Chandler be in the middle? How consistent can Eric Gordon be as that third option? You know, what else are they getting out of their depth? Yes, yeah, the well, what, is Tyson Chan- what does Tyson Chandler give you anymore? Yeah, um, they, you know, they, what, they've what, got to get minutes out of that position because, Mike, as much as they can score the basketball, if they're not going to lock in defensively, both stopping the basketball on the perimeter and, you know, contesting everything that comes in that paint, then it's not going to matter how many points they score. They're going to be that fun up-and-down team that everybody loves to talk about with two, you know, elite talent players. But, you know, they'll be second round and out with who they are dealing with uh, otherwise in the Western Conference, which, of course, starts with the Lakers, the Clippers, yeah. and the Denver Nuggets, uh, amongst the other uh, candidates this year. I mean, going into the season, Warriors included, we thought there were potentially seven teams um, that had a chance to, you know, make deep runs in the playoffs. And, yes. You know, that obviously the Warriors now will fade to the background, but the Dallas Mavericks have come out looking very strong and, and the other teams that we expected uh, are all looking pretty good to start the year, but you know, only two weeks in, but uh, the, the Houston Rockets will, will be in the mix, but they're going to have to do a, a lot of improving across the yeah. board if they want to be in the Western conference finals. Thank you, Mr. Newman. We'll get into Miami's two hot rookies next time. Kedrick Young and Tyler Arrow. I want to bring Terrific in to watch Mike. Terrific but, to watch. Yes, they 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 both are. Um, thank you so much. I um, good luck. Um, good luck with the Pure Hoops podcast this week with PJ Armstrong. Thank you. Know, but, you know, did I thank tell you? you yeah, you're not kicking him off, Mike. Are you? Yeah, Does he I, get to stay for some of this stuff? No, or no, he gets to he gets to stay right now. I just want to say, Bruce Bernstein, really quick, um, that that together, BJ Armstrong and uh, Eric Newman have three championship rings. It's it's a really proud partnership that uh, that BJ is a part of. Uh, I'll tell you. As David Stern might have said, if he heard you say that just now, is that the best you can do? <laughs> no, I remember Ernie Grunfeld had a line once. He said, um, "Me and Bernard King combined for sixty-one once, um, and then found out later that Bernard had fifty-seven. <laughs> um, but uh, all right, so here we go. I'm bringing in Bruce Bernstein." Not just because I want to give him grief that the Nationals won. He's he's a huge Celtics fan too. Everybody's got character flaws. I want to bring in Bruce Bernstein, Bruce Bernstein, because the not only is it he's the chief content officer for Pubes Media, but we're here to discuss our next two shows, which feature former NBA commissioner. Oh wait, NBA commissioner emeritus David Stern. Bruce was instrumental in setting up my interview with David in his New York office. Bruce and David, you guys have known each other since 2003. Bruce, thank you and welcome to the program. Thank you, Mike. And I would like to just refer back to one thing you and Eric were talking about at the very beginning of this show about the uh, the uh, the victory parade in D.C. Um, I recall, I think it was a year ago, Boston had like an 87-day drought between their two championship <laughs> parades. And the people in Boston were consuming even more alcohol than usual, wringing their hands over that. But yes, yes, um, very much looking forward to what we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks, your interview with David Stern. There was so many great moments and so many great exchanges. There was too much for one show, Mike. I mean, it was like, yeah. uh, there was just way, you know, we don't, we didn't want any, any of it to be on the cutting room floor. So we <laughs> said, we need all of this, but we got to do it in two shows. For those kids of you that are uh, listening right now and you haven't, 
you know David Stern's name, but you don't know. He's obviously um, – he, he was – wait, Adam Adam Silver uh, – he was Adam Silver's predecessor, and he was as important a commissioner as any commissioner in the history of professional sports in North America. David Stern did so many things for the NBA – but, um, I, you know, shoot, I, I, my relationship started with him in 94 when I started covering the Knicks and the NBA for the New York Times. You had a long time. You had a long term relationship with him because you did all the drafts for ESPN. You, you basically were front and center producing those. Now, I, I guess I, I would just ask, do you have a favorite David Stern story from his years working with him? Um, David Stern um, could drop F-bombs. He could be. Um, his, his humor is just biting sometimes and he he'll take your head off. And that I, I almost feel like it's a camouflage for a really smart, good guy that, uh, that just, you know, enjoys what he does. I have so many great David Stern stories and because I want to maintain my friendship with David Stern, they're not all going to be <laughs> expressed on this show. But the one thing I will say is if you're giving me a little bit too much credit when you said I produced the NBA draft for all those years, I really did not. I produced the commissioner for the NBA draft. So in other words, my job was to be in coordination with the truck because there's a lot going on in a show like that. There's anchors out on the set. There's live shots from here and there. There's graphics. There's tension waiting for the cards to come up and all these different things. So my job was to work with David and then for several years after he retired to work with Adam Silver in making sure that they nobody expected them out there before they were ready to go. Any kind of traffic that was going on behind the scenes had to be settled before I could tell the truck, okay, we can send him out there. But it's funny. One of the things he mentioned to you in, in the interview was one of the things he always hated during the draft. And there was no way around it. And I think he even knew it, too. But he just hated. He always wanted things to go faster, faster, faster. And I understand why. But there was, you know, sometimes he wanted things to go faster and the truck wasn't ready. So there were a couple times where he's like, all right, you know, I'm ready to go. And I'm like trying to hold him back. So. <laughs> There was a couple times I had to step in front of that opening backstage where he would walk out just beyond where you could see. And I had to say to myself, am I ready to take a charge here? Because <laughs> I might have yeah. to oh, sacrifice my body on this. David's you know all what? business. He beat me. I, I was, what, five, ten minutes late to the interview, Eric. And Stern, Stern was like, where's Wise? Where the hell is Wise? Remember? And, and he was, the guy, he was the guy not like, pleased at your tardiness, Mike. He was not pleased whatsoever. Yeah, and and I don't know. You guys know I'm I'm a I'm gonna be late to my own funeral, so that's just the way it is. But anyway, we uh, <laughs> we pretended to cover for you, buddy. We pretended. Uh, Bruce Bernstein and Eric Newman are with me, my colleagues at Pure Hoops Media. The I could just see Stern, by the way. I, I can picture him like with the eighth pick in the 2017 NBA draft, the Knicks pick Frank Nittlekina. Oh wait, that was Silver. But yeah, he would get up there and. And you were you were in charge of getting him up there to say that. I used to be. You were I the David Stern handler. I, I was the, the the commissioner whisperer, I suppose. <laughs> and I used to tell the people from the NBA because look, David was a commanding figure, and yeah. he had his. You know, he. You know, it's funny. 
he he talks about and it's absolutely legitimate how he believes everybody who crosses paths with the NBA product, okay, which includes players, executives, coaches, owners, and guys like us, women who cover the media, he considers us all to be family, okay. And while a lot of people have trouble grasping that concept, I was around the NBA for so many years during my time at ESPN. It was legit. He really did. But the thing, you know, there's a downside and an upside and a plus side to being family. Because when you're family, you don't always worry about hurting somebody's feelings <laughs> if you've got a problem with them. So he might just like, you know, he might talk to one of the people in the NBA family like a uh, a child who disappointed him, right? That he's well, going to chastise a little bit. Well, but... or, or, or drop an F-bomb and hang up on him, which we talked about during the interview. Um, uh, Eric Newman, are we allowed to keep that part of the interview? No. Uh, we're on. going to have an editorial meeting this week, Mike. All right, all right. Well, if he can't, all right. Well, but any at any rate, I won't go into the details of it. It was <laughs> freaking dramatic. Um, we got so much good stuff from him. I can't. I mean, the whole time uh, we filmed it as well, Eric Newman was obviously cracking up at some of the stories. I think he laughed hardest when Stern would just go, Mike, you're not going to get me. You don't have the in intellectual acuity. You're, you're, you've, you've out, you know, he, he just murdered. I mean, it was, it was an evisceration of lawyerly uh, talents. I mean, it was really... beautiful. It was yeah. beautiful, Mike. You know yeah. why it was beautiful? Because he said he, I screened that stuff like three or four times. So I, right. I know every word that he said during that interview. One of the times that he was busting your chops a little bit, yeah. you know, it was a little back and forth, but then he kind of, I wasn't there because I was having some issues and I couldn't come to New York, but in listening, I could picture it. Cause I mean, I know exactly where you were shooting it <laughs> and I could totally picture the, the scene there. And he said something to the effect of old friends are the best friends. And it was really sort of a wistful comment almost in that David's 77 years old right now. Right. Yeah. And while he's still the most energetic guy in the world and, and aggressive and out front on things and, you know, tech savvy and you name it, he also knows that he's 77 years old and he's sitting there across from you who he knew in the 1990s. And he felt like you were brothers in a way. And, and it was the warmth that you guys had during that interview. I think people are really going to enjoy listening to it because they're really going to hear David Stern open up and really sort of, I mean, he didn't spill his guts about anything, no, but, he, but he, he, he revealed, he revealed who he was in, in this moment in time. He talked about Adam, how proud he was of the way he's taken over as the commissioner well, of the league. And he yeah, talked we were, about uh, so many things. You you yeah, gave a lot of love team. about the social activism and, and inclusiveness that he really sort of spearheaded. Yeah, we did. And we went back and forth on that, too. Um, there was a time when I thought he was copping out a little bit on a couple things. But for the most part, you're right. I look back at the time and I'll, I can tell people's story right now. But when he was really upset at me, he's at a, you know, he, he basically hung up on me. And it wasn't because David Stern was the, you know, people could say what they wanted to work with him. He was this raging maniac. And like you know, David Stern felt betrayed in that moment because I did have a respect for him. He had a respect for me. And he was sort of like, well, why would Mike write something and not tell me about it first or, or run it by me at least? And so he didn't expect you to give him favorable coverage. But you're right. He thought he, he thinks of the NBA and the people that were in that league as a family and so many more things I could have talked to him about. But it was great. It was uh, I, I can't wait to I can't so wait Mike, to releases next week. Go ahead. 
can I can I can I jump in because you know I think the people would enjoy hearing the bite where he when you asked him about the oh, yeah, go. magazine cut. No, do you want me to lead to it or do you want to lead to it? No, you go go. Okay. Go so anyway, so Mike, you know one of the things that David was very adamant about was that he never you know although he got a bad rap because of the dress code and Brian Gumble made some stupid comment about him way back when about him being a plantation owner which really I think really hurt him at the time. I remember at the time when he said it. Stern was irate, and we didn't really get into that, you know. But he was talking about his people. Uh, you know, Hoop Magazine is a publication, I believe, that the NBA has some level of ownership in. And they did a cover story on Allen Iverson back when he was at the height of his popularity. And, you know, he was covered with ink, and they kind of uh, whitewashed out some of the stuff. They so here was the exchange. They airbrushed his, yeah. his, they airbrushed yeah. his tattoos on the cover yeah. of the magazine. Yeah. So here's the exchange when you asked him about that and, and what he said about not wanting to uh, take away the uh, authenticity of his players. Your own hoop magazine, the in-house magazine has a cover story of Allen Iverson and Allen Iverson is tatted up and he got, Someone airbrushed their, his yeah. tattoos, and you were furious. You thought that Allen Iverson should be portrayed as he is. Right. And so we're, could you talk about that push and no, pull I, and, I as a commissioner and how you don't want to alienate your customer base, but you also want to let these people be who they are, irrespective of white, black, whatever? No one ever asked me about that, and I was crazed on the subject of Allen Iverson's tattoos being... Uh, it was inauthentic. There's a yeah. uh, tattoos being, you know, so-called whited out, so to speak. Yeah, uh, that was terrible. Um, did you did you fire the guy or did you no, just tell him it was no, to reprimand him? No, no. We say we're gonna, you got to keep at it until you get it right. That was the penalty, was to uh, suffer me for a longer period of time. I'm sure that was fun. Not one of David's answers from the show concerned Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous quote, free at last, and how current commissioner Adam Silver, who reported to Stern for years, probably felt the same way when David retired in 2014. We know you'll enjoy our two-part Mike Wise show with David Stern that comes your way the next two weeks. Thanks to my Pure Hoops media brothers, Eric Newman and Bruce Bernstein for joining me this week. Please don't forget our other shows, Bucket Sports and Blocks with Monica McNutt drops every Thursday. Catch and Shoot 2.0 launches soon. But you can check out all the previous Catch and Shoot shows on your favorite podcast platform. And Eric is back with BJ Armstrong for the Pure Hoops podcast every Friday. BJ and Eric have also been doing some bonus shows, so check all of them out. Please subscribe, rate, review, and enjoy all of our shows. Thanks for listening. Remember to check us out the next two weeks with David Stern Unplugged. Until then, bye-bye. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.